This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. After the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, before he went back to heaven, he appeared to certain individuals and groups. During one of the appearances, Jesus gave a command to them and to us that we are to go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever he has commanded us. But in spite of these clear instructions from our Lord, we seem these days to be raising a generation of people who do not know what they believe or why they believe it. One trend, which began several years ago, was the appearance of fringe groups, sometimes called para-church movements, or movements around or outside the body of Christ, which is His church. Over the years, some of these anti-church, anti-organizational movements have become so strong that they themselves have established their own churches or denominations, often calling themselves independent or non-denominational. With increasing divisions within many denominations, there has been a recent trend to drop any denominational labels for fear this may be a negative connotation which they don't want to have so associated with them. Another trend which has grown rapidly over the past years, even in our lifetime, has been what some have called the electric church. Even before the days of COVID, there were many who chose not to attend any gathered worship service, preferring to stay home and watch some famous TV preacher or hear beautiful music which their own local church could not provide. And then came COVID, and the aftermath of COVID saw another trend away from church attendance as many chose to stay home. And we have not recovered from that totally yet either. Although there are some who are honestly unable to attend a local church, and we're thankful for opportunities for worship services otherwise, such as TV or podcasts, which we offer here at Ocean Lakes, yet the negative side of this has been a turning away from a local church by those who prefer to be a part of a spectator congregation. With this change in worship styles, the one who preaches is often not the pastor of a local congregation who shoulders many weekday responsibilities of serving as pastor or under-shepherd of a local flock. This pastor who preaches cannot be on the scene in times of crisis or personal needs, such as for weddings or funerals or crisis counseling and the like. Another reason for the popularity of radio, TV, and other ways of worshiping is because so many have been turned off by the local church. These people have had to live with their neighbors who are members, and they have experienced some friction or may have seen some inconsistency in personal lives of church members when they assume that church members should be perfect. And so they just give up on the local church. So the question arises in some circles, is it time now to close the churches? How would you like to set fire to a sinking ship? Many are willing to fire a few volleys at the old ship of Zion, 
now that she's listing portside. Across many denominational lines in America, churches are reporting either a plateau in membership or an actual decline. That's a disturbing trend. How many young people do you know who may have been raised in the church by godly Christian parents, but they've now left home, gone to school beyond home somewhere, a different kind of school, and now they've totally gone astray from regular church attendance. Others may say that they have their name on a church roll somewhere, but they don't go anywhere anymore. Now, these people do not renounce a belief in God, but they pretty much discard the organizational church. All this brings us to the point of asking this morning, how can we believe in the church? I want to offer a few observations here today. First, all churches are not like some churches. A pastor of a local church spoke some time ago at a governor's conference on education. During a question and answer period which followed, a long-haired college student verbally tore into the church. This preacher's response somewhat surprised the boy because the preacher said that he partially agreed with some of the boy's observations. But then he continued by saying, I do not believe it is right to stereotype individuals or institutions. The preacher said, I have known some sorry long hairs, but I have also known some with exceptional character and ability. And likewise, he said, I have known some anesthetized churches with no more spark than a wet piece of spaghetti. But I also have known some churches that have shocked me alive with excitement. The truth of the matter is that there are churches and there are churches. No two churches are identical. Some people have had an unpleasant experience in a church in the past. And because of this, many have become dropouts. They have found one church to be lifeless. So they've given up on all churches. The thought that there just might be somewhere a loving church which is creative and vibrantly alive is a thought which many of these simply dismiss from their minds. Now, I'll agree that there are some churches I would not want to be a part of. There are some that are so dead that the members are just going through the motions of ritual. The moving, life-giving Spirit of God has left them long ago or rather they have left the Lord, but they don't seem to know it. I get right aggravated when I hear somebody say, all lawyers, all doctors, all politicians, all preachers, or all churches. If you want to use that phrase, then say, all are different. There's another truth which can help us in our commitment to and belief in the church of Jesus Christ. It is this. The church is a source of light. It's rather hard to have sympathy or pity for a person who stands in the darkness, cursing the darkness, when just a short distance away there's light, but he chooses to remain in darkness. Such a person was Thomas, one of the disciples of Jesus. I want to share with you something about Thomas which you may have overlooked before. In the 20th chapter of John's Gospel, 
we read that Jesus came and appeared after his resurrection in an upper room where the disciples were gathered together. They were greatly afraid, and Jesus' presence startled them. But in verse 20 of John chapter 20, we read, But then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then John goes on to record in verse 24 of that same chapter that Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The scripture says that Thomas lived for a whole week in the shadow of dark despondency because he was not in the place where he was most likely to meet the Lord. I think this fact is important enough for us to stop and think about it for a minute. Why do we have so many people these days who continue to be in a spiritual fog about the truths of our faith? Surely one reason is because they simply will not go where the light is or expose themselves to its shining. Those who continue to separate themselves from the fellowship of Christian people, however sinful some in the church may be, have nothing on which to feed their souls except their own dark thoughts. It's because of this that we are raising today a whole generation of spiritual, biblical illiterates, those who do not have the light that can come from the church of Jesus Christ. If you base your Christian faith and take your information from some other source, then how can you believe that Jesus, who is the way, the truth, the life, is helpful to you? How can you believe in him? People will never get their confused thinking straightened out until they come back to where the light is shining. I'm constantly amazed at the many times when I spend time during the week trying to talk individually with people and explain to them some truths that I have just preached on a Sunday or two before, but they weren't there to hear it. They're hungering for the light that has already been shining from the church. Now, I'll be the first to admit that the light that comes from the church may have some dirty, dusty spots which obscure the full light. Preachers and others, Sunday school teachers, church leaders, all have faults and failures. But God has chosen to use the church as a source of light to a darkened world. But so often we find that people will choose darkness, though, rather than light. I want to mention just one other reason why I think we can believe in the church. And this is because the church gives us freedom from the angelic fallacy. That phrase, the angelic fallacy, comes from Leslie Weatherhead. This is a popular, shallow notion that a person can be just as good without God, outside the church, independent of a local fellowship of believers. This is a silly idea some people have that they are like angelic beings. They're, they're moral giants, not frail human creatures like the rest of us. They imply that they're so superior to ordinary human beings, they don't need any church to worship God. They can get closer to God on the beach or on the golf course, out under some tree or out drowning a worm than they can in church. Now, where has this idea brought us? Well, let me ask, just how many spiritual giants do you know who hold that view? That idea is a lie straight from the devil in hell itself. 
and it has produced a generation of confused, depressed, anxious, spiritual illiterates. How can we explain the ignorance of otherwise brilliant people? They know it takes study and dedication and discipline to become an engineer, a lawyer, an accountant, a doctor, or some other skilled person in any profession. And yet they casually imagine they can be masters in the art of Christian living without knowing a blessed thing about true commitment to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. This angelic fallacy is a deadly spiritual disease because it creeps up on a person's blind side. And before you know it, you're convinced that you can be just as spiritual, if not more so, than those who confess their constant need for spiritual food and fellowship, which comes from the gathered church. Years ago, a tourist who was traveling in Germany went to a very famous church to see the windows in the building. He had heard of them for years and had looked forward to seeing them. But when he got to the church, he found it to be very small and unpretentious from the outside. It did not look interesting at all to him. Anyhow, he walked inside and he was disappointed in that too. Just about that time, the sexton approached the man. That, that was sort of like the custodian of the janitor. The man said, follow me, sir. And the sexton led the tourist toward the front of the building and pointed to a particular spot. The sun was rising in the east, and there, there the traveler saw a picture of Christ as he sat as a young boy with the scholars in the temple. It was a picture of the glory of Jesus, one of the most marvelous pictures the tourist said he had ever seen. The old sexton said, Sir, I want you to come back here at noon. I want to show you something else. The man went out, and he came back to the church at noon. Then the sexton pointed out another glorious painting of Christ walking on the waves, the power of God. He said finally, Sir, if you'll come back here at sundown, I want to show you one more thing. The tourist went out and returned at sundown. The sexton pointed to yet another window as it caught the evening rays of the sun where the man now saw the picture of Christ on Calvary, God's redeeming love for us all. If you've been tempted to think that the church of Jesus Christ is weak, meaningless, has nothing to offer, maybe it's because you're standing outside where you cannot see the church's beauty, glory, and power. Come on inside. Take the place where the Lord invites you to be. Give the church your attention, your time, your service, your money, your love. Then see her glory in the east. Early in the morning, her power at noonday. And Christ's redeeming love for you in the evening hours as Jesus climbs a hill and dies for you on that cross. Do not judge the church from the outside. Come inside. Let God's glory fill your life. Jesus died for the church. Can we do any less than live for that for which Jesus died? 
Oh, God, forgive us when we've been critics of the church and not have supported the bride of Christ, the church. Lord, we know you have a purpose for the church. And although we are all imperfect as members of a local church, yet we thank you, Lord, that we can be with people who can encourage us, who can help us to lift our faith, and who can enable us to see more clearly your will for our lives. We pray that you'll bless our churches wherever we live and bless those who lead and those who give themselves in faithful stewardship and fellowship. Thank you, Lord, for hearing us now as we offer our prayer. In the name of Jesus, amen.